this is gonna be the best book you ever read. Like, this is your new favorite book. Off the internet, man. I need to go be introverted. <laughs> Welcome to Books in the City Pod. <laughs> Welcome to Books in the City Pod. I'm Emily. I'm Kayla. I'm Becky. I'm Libby. And we're four book friends that began on the internet and we're still on the internet, but now you can be a part of it too. Oh, that's a good one too. <laughs> she planned that. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big planner. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of planning, everyone get your calendar out because on Sunday, August 29th, we I feel like my voice sounds like gravelly. <laughs> I'm gonna restart. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you can keep going. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. On Sunday, August 29th, we are going to be having the Malibu Rising Zoom fan club book club chat. So if you're listening now, there is still time to become a fan club member. Join in on the book club fun. I since I've read it, I've been like eagerly waiting to chat with someone about it. So now I'm so excited to get to chat with all of you guys that come about it. Keep your eye on the Patreon app though for the official time, and then the Zoom link will be there. Shall we dive into the fishbowl? Yeah. Plug, plug, glug, glug, glug. <laughs> I think we should keep that in. <laughs> so the fish want to know, what's the weirdest date you've ever been on? <laughs> in parentheses. I am sorry to disappoint, but I haven't really been on that many official dates. My past relationships, relationships? relationships <laughs> have been very like, Oh, we're friends. We're hanging out. Now we're dating. There was never an official well, like. Must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Can't I've only technically been on one official like this is oh a my date God. that we're going what? on thing. Yeah, we're so wait, lucky. wait, wait. What? <laughs> and it wasn't weird at all. What'd you do? Dinner, drinks. We just got drinks. <laughs> Movie. Mm. I've been on a lot of dates. Not anytime recently, but um. I don't know about weird, but I've been on plenty of bad dates where I was like, I cannot wait to leave. <laughs> I'm oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully none of them are friends of the pod. Sorry to disappoint this <laughs> Not fish. friends of me anymore. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you ever like meet up with strange, even if you're like meet up with people you've never, you know, met before you're like communicating online and then you meet up and you're like, oh, oh, I don't know. It's kind of weird. And then you never speak to them again? Not really. No? Yeah. I yeah. will say maybe the weirdest date that I've technically been on but, was yeah, when me and, me and Libby came along on your first date. <laughs> that was the weirdest date. date with my friend and my other friend. <laughs> <laughs> they like sat at the bar. <laughs> that was. Have we talked about this on the. I don't know. But like that was the most fun time. That was very fun. Basically for background. I don't remember if we talked about it. But we had book club. And then Emily was leaving book club to go on a date and we had all had like many drinks by this point and we were feeling like wild and <laughs> me and Libby were like we're coming <laughs> I don't remember ever doubting like maybe this isn't a great idea we were just like yeah at we'll first be there well no at first Libby was like we're not doing that and then okay, I was like yeah, yeah. we are and so when I, I left book club you guys were like we're not doing that and no then I was like we are doing that. Libby was like no and then so I was like they're not going and then all of a sudden there everyone was still texting in our group chat so I got all of their texts from <laughs> the whole Kayla. night and I was like oh my god they really went <laughs> like, yeah what we is really went yeah. and it felt like a 
movie. Yeah. No regrets. That was the best part of the evening. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's not yeah. even my wor- weirdest one. Like, I oh, went wow. on one that was like a coffee shop at the end of their hours. Like, it was kind of later oh, in the evening. that sucks. But, so it was kind of, it had a weird vibe to it anyways. He, he was, like, telling me about how he had been dropped on his head as a kid. And I just <laughs> remember being like, what am I supposed to say to that? I don't really know. Oh, man, that's a bummer. Right? I was, <laughs> that always stuck with me because it didn't feel like. Wait, he wasn't saying it in, like, a jokey, like, haha. No, he was, like, speaking very literally. And then I would try and make a joke to make it normal in conversation and he was like it's not a joke i my sister still thinks i'm damaged to this day and i was like oh, oh. oh i'm laughing too hard <laughs> thank you for sharing i'm laughing at the awkwardness that you probably felt in that moment right that yeah. poor man. To laugh. i was like oh. that's a thing though like that's why most of my dates were bad because like these guys obviously we were just not good matches but like you're kind of trapped at the table like I've never just got, I wish I would just get up and walk out of some of them, but like you're just sitting there thinking in your head, like, I'm never going to see you again after right. this. And like, why yeah, are you telling me these pointless. things right now? Yeah. I'm lucky no one's ever been like mean to me. So I don't, f- you know, I feel compelled to be like polite because I'm like, well, you're not like bad. You're just really sharing like <laughs> a lot about yourself right now. And <laughs> I feel like. A second ago, we were talking about movies. So <laughs> I don't know about that. So yeah, that was probably the weirdest one that sticks with me. I've been like, what? I went on a weird one because I think the idea was nice, but it just was not. Okay, so we met at Smorgasburg, which is this like outdoor food festival in the summer. And you met there, or the date was there. The date, sorry. Okay, that's where we met for the date, and then it. After that, that person was like, I have surprise plans next. And then we went to this like strange, uh, like poetry reading oh. kind oh, no, of no, thing. No. But I don't know what it was supposed to, be. I don't know. I don't know. It was, and it was in this like strange like event space that was just like kind of super open and like the crowd seemed like they really knew each other and we were just like intruders and then it like it was just weird and then it was also like small that the crowd like you couldn't just get up and go subtly so we had to listen to like a lot of really bad open mic kind of reading you just reminded me of of an answer to this question yeah and I think that's I think there we were supposed to do something else after but I don't remember what it was, but it just like went on for way too long and the like really lost momentum after Yikes. <laughs> Smorgasburg. Yeah. So this reminds me of this isn't like a first date. This is like I was it was with the person I was with and he was like, oh, I have like this surprise like that we're going to go to. And he wouldn't tell me a single thing about it. I hate surprises. I hate not knowing what to expect. <laughs> I hate not being like fully aware of what I'm about to walk into. Like if we pick a restaurant, I've memorized the menu by the time we get there. Like I know what I'm ordering for every single meal. Like I have to know what's happening. So I had no idea what to expect. He told me to meet him in the West Village. We met somewhere and I was like, oh, is this a surprise? It's just like a random bar for drinks. And he's like, no, we're going to go in a little bit. We go to this like synagogue into the basement. Wait, uh, the tour, the like catacombs tour? 
No. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it was in this basement. It was like if you walked into like your grandma's junk drawer. Oh like, no! There Basements was like are a hard pass on a first date. I it wasn't a first date, bar none. It wasn't a first date. Oh, okay. Like a relationship. And there was like random like cans full of random junk like sitting around. It was just like very bizarre. And it was this famous mandolin player practices there like every Thursday. Okay, cool. And but it was like there was like seven to maybe 15 people in this basement passing around just like a random bottle of vodka <laughs> and uh, like, okay. And it was like everyone knew each other they were all members of this synagogue it was the most bizarre thing ever but the the huh. i mean the mandolin player was really cool apparently this guy has like sold out carnegie hall oh wow and it was like a f- well it wasn't free i think he paid like gave a donation how did your boyfriend at the time know about this apparently like one day he randomly walked by heard mandolin music and walked in <laughs> okay oh my god um so yeah that was weird and i felt very uncomfortable the whole time because it was like there were, wasn't a lot of people and i was sitting there you know like as still as humanly yeah. possible like trying to be like am i into this or do i want to leave like i don't know what's happening that sounds pretty cool it was cool but TBH. it was weird it was very weird i wish i could there's no other way to describe that basement than walking into a junk drawer like literally there were random knickknacks there was like a random like jug of water that was like clearly had been sitting there for a while like (laughs) i can't even it's so weird but yeah that's my answer you reminded me of it when you mentioned the uncomfortable yeah yeah don't know what i would do in that situation i'd be like um and then of course he was like after like wasn't that so, like, didn't you love that? Like, <laughs> not, what did you think? But, like, wasn't that you're amazing? Leading you're leading like, the witness, barrister. Yeah. There's no room to say no. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually kind of weird. Because it was kind of cool, but it was mostly weird. <laughs> so. Yeah. Now that you bring it up, actually, it was very strange. <laughs> Should we just talk about books? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I want to go first. Um, so, today, I'm going to talk about our July book club pick which is Son of Achilles <gasps> by Madeline Miller. And I just looked up the publication date and it came out 2011. That surprises me. I feel like it just <laughs> came out or something. Oh, no, dude. It just had a million copies. Ah, okay. Yeah. Oh, no, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I had like, you know, Madeline Miller was like popular on Bookstagram because she came out with Cersei not too long ago. And then I recently got into this like myths podcast and. I feel like she's really like taken the book community on a journey to revamp the Greek mythology from a contemporary point of view that's still set in Greece, you know, like set in ancient Greece, but from contemporary modern language and everything. I was like, my my mom was visiting me and we had her pick up the book from a bookstore and the book attendants were like, oh my God, I love that book. Like literally everyone really enjoys this book or I see it around a lot. It's like one of those things that you like notice in bookstores a lot. And I could see why because, yo, this book got me in the feels. It got me fired up. I'm on like a Greek myths kick, like a classics kick. I'm trying to buy like head busts and everything and just trying to redecorate <laughs> with like Grecian vases. And yeah, I loved it. Um, 
Okay, so I'm struggling with if this is a reimagining or a retelling based on how Becky talked about it a couple episodes ago. Is it a retelling? A retelling? No, this is just how it actually happened. Yes, yeah. So it's just like the facts. <laughs> I uh, choose to believe that this is the real story. Okay, so it's funny you bring that up. So for a little bit of context, I also read over audiobook The Iliad. Um, so now I know what's what. And that shit happened. So <laughs> it's pretty faithful to like what Homer envisioned for this story. If you didn't read up on the Iliad, I'll just give you like <laughs> a really quick crash course. So it's the story of the Trojan War. And basically, long story short, is that Paris took Helen back to Troy out of um, her home in Mycenae. She was married to Menelaus, who was um, a king. And he was, like, dishonored by this because back in the day, women were just property. He recruits his not-so-great brother, Agamemnon, to wage this war and kind of unite the Greeks to fight Troy. So at that point, they were kind of like little like little tribes, and they kind of united in one front. And um, the Iliad takes place in the 10th year of this, like, endless war. And the Greeks are trying to get their best warrior, like, back in the game so they can he's basically like their weapon of mass destruction and his name is Achilles and at the beginning of the Iliad he's not fighting and this book Son of Achilles are all the events before and after the Iliad that kind of explain his background through the eyes of his closest companion I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Patroclus, but I could be wrong. Oh, I say Patroclus. I don't know. Patro- yeah, and then the the like narrator in the Iliad was like, yeah, something like that. Patroclus. It was oh. weird, but um, I'm gonna say Patroclus, like a Paranasi thing again. Paranasi. Um, no, closest companion. Yeah. Wink, wink. We'll get into that. And he is an important part of the plot in the Iliad and kind of its resolution, but he isn't like immortalized like Achilles is in our popular connotation of it so it was really cool to get his whole backstory like how he grew up how he ended up in Pythia with um, Achilles and how what it was like to kind of become Achilles dearest companion wink wink (laughs) and how he became so important to getting Achilles to fight in the Trojan War and eventually defeat the Trojans. I want to try and keep it vague for those who maybe don't know the myth and they want to, like, read the end. Um, Because I wasn't, like, surprised by the ending, but I was surprised by how, like, moving Madeline Miller's writing is. And she does a great job just, like, making all this abstract Homeric vision into, like, a tangible thing. So... It's always cool to me that this story has stayed throughout the literal centuries. Like, it's still really exciting. And, like, what I think everyone latches onto are the Greeks were messy. The ancient Greeks were, like, dramatic and, you know, just, like, really into honor and, like, nobility and, like, how do you find honor in a dishonorable cause, like an endless war type thing. And she makes all these aspects that everybody latches onto into something that you can really get behind. Like, for example, she just described in general what, like, life is like uh, living on the island or, like, taking the ship across the sea or living in the Trojan camp on the beach for 10 years and, like, what it would be like to 
bump elbows with gods and goddesses. Like Achilles' mother is um, a sea nymph, and she's what I would call a helicopter parent. So (laughs) there were like things that were relatable about Thetis because she clearly doesn't approve of her son's like lovers. And um, she wants to manage his reputation and his role as a demigod. And uh, it was cool to get like a bird's eye, eyes on the ground view of what living in ancient Greece was like. So you feel like you're living in the world. And then the other strength of this novel is definitely the romance. Oh my God, heartbreaking. Like you, I don't want to spoil the end for you, obviously read it, but heart-wrenching and like did you cry no i was moved to tears but not like (laughs) they they weren't shedding it was kind of how (laughs) i felt about giovanni's room like my chest definitely tightened my little grinch heart like swelled Mm. i was like oh my god and then i know that we're not talking about the iliad but it is the emotional climax of the iliad it's like what happens in achilles and patroclus's relationship it's the saddest part of that whole book and that whole book is about how terrible war is and it's just like the the resolution of it and like the grief that follows it is so poignant and she really like builds up the context for it because they're the relationship between Achilles and Patroclus is kind of vaguely referenced in translations as being like Oh, they're companions, like they're dear companions, but they were motherfucking lovers and they loved each other. It was great stuff. And just the way that their their childhood and and their adulthood and their coming of age like overlapped was so, so moving. It just I like really love them. It captured like their respective flaws and egos and Achilles, in my experience reading the Iliad or listening to it, he's not like a totally sympathetic dude. He starts the poem being kind of a dick. He's like throwing a tantrum and he won't fight in this war for his people. So to get a more nuanced coverage of him, but also his best buddy and his lover, Patroclus, is just so great. I am like gonna remember this i think it's just sets a high bar like the way that she described when a goddess like moves through the atmosphere is really cool it's like you know i felt like there was there were like greek gods living on earth and achilles was real and patroclus was real and their romance was real and their grief was so real i have never heard you talk like this about a book (laughs) so good it's everybody like is the end is really heart-wrenching. I think even if you know how the story ends like I do, those passages are like, they're brutal. They're they're real sad. So I definitely enjoyed it. I rated it five stars. I'm going to read Cersei. I just, I'm in a mood. Ooh, Patrick Lewis and Achilles for life. Or, or death. Did you just spoil it? <laughs> what? There is a Twitter account called Incorrect Patroclus Quotes all about Patroclus and Achilles' love, but told through, like, modern Twitter-speak quotes, and I highly recommend it. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. Nice. This is, like, one of my favorite books. uh, I just got a really great photo, a sneaky photo of Libby listening to her talk. Sorry, let me backtrack. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Of Libby watching Emily talk about it, just, like, with this smile, like, holding her heart. (laughs) (laughs) Just, like, like, (laughs) No, it's seriously, truly like one of the best. Everyone is like books. wrecked by the end. You read the Goodreads reviews and they're like, I cried so much. I was fully tear streaming yeah. on the subway. 
but couldn't stop reading it. I was like, I know I'm in public and I should stop, but I yeah. cannot stop. It's heart You guys are selling this to me and I did not like seriously. It's, so you should try it. Okay. Yeah. I think well, you that's did. an important point. Do you have to know what happens in the Iliad to enjoy this book? No. Do you have to have enjoyed her other works? No. It's like it just ropes you in. I think she's really good at making this world like a sensory experience for you. And I think that's why the ending is so heart wrenching because you're dropped in. You're totally immersed. Yeah. Cersei felt so I've read both. Cersei to me felt more like she expected you to have a baseline knowledge of Greek gods and myths i was freaking confused yeah <laughs> song of achilles 16. feels like you could no not even know a single like nothing about because it's all through patroclus's experience so it's like contemporary with his journey through essentially a story we already know so he's experiencing for it the it for the first time so he's narrating something that hasn't happened to him yet i rated it five stars or rather five giant teardrops Oh, wow. <laughs> that you didn't shed, but you would have. That I didn't shed, but would I, I would have if I am someone who cries. She saved them for the reading. That was Fawn of Achilles by Madeline Miller. Kayla, what'd you read? I read In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife by Ashley Winstead. Thank you to Sourcebooks for sending me a copy of this. This was the first book I read on my Kindle. Oh. Yeah. I read it on the you. beach. So this comes out, if you're listening to this episode, it came out, it comes out tomorrow, August 3rd. I've had a copy, an e-galley of this for months now, and I like specifically waited to read it closer when I was coming out, but I haven't been seeing this anywhere, and like I can't speak to the marketing that happens in the next three weeks, but this book deserves to be everywhere, and that's why I wanted to talk about it, because I like feel like I need to do their publicity and like get it in front of people's faces, because I'm obsessed with this book so good like I feel like this is just one of those thrillers that you would like see in the bookstore and just like grab and devour like without like that big marketing push behind it but oh man okay so I've mentioned on here before that in high school I was obsessed with the YA series Private and I've never read anything that reminded me of it as much as this book did so this book felt like private but grown up and no one will understand that unless they've read Private but um it was just like everything I loved about that series was in this and it was just so good and twisty and like oh so good so our main girl is Jess and we meet her while she's living this kind of like glamorous life in New York but right away you kind of know that she's someone that you would meet and then you're like not everything is how it appears on like Instagram or something like she portrays this perfect life she's beautiful she has this great job but she is like riddled with insecurities and like having to be the best and her life just sounded like kind of very sad almost but she puts out this like perfect exterior so she's about to head to her 10-year college reunion and you learn that she went to this very prestigious school and she didn't really come for much but when she got to the school she fell in with this crowd of wealthy kids so they were known as the east house seven and all of them were inseparable through college it was a mix of girls and guys and they would like date each other and they were all best friends and like everyone on campus knew them because of like this thing that happened during homecoming their homecoming their freshman years and like they're all like the top of the class and one of them is like the star I don't think he was a quarterback but like a star football player and he went on to the NFL and like they're in the best frats and the best sororities and like they're presidents of them and they're just like these people that are very well known on campus so 
Jess, her whole life has always been like, I need to become the best. So like getting in with this group really like propelled her on that path like even further. So you find out right away though that the whole group won't be at the reunion because one of them is dead and another one of them is suspected of killing her. So 10 years earlier, Heather was found dead in her bed after being stabbed 17 times with a pair of scissors. Oh my gosh. Yeah. With a pair of scissors? Yeah. Jesus. So that happened like in their senior year. And then her boyfriend, who was also part of the East House 7, was accused of killing her. But like it was never proven. So like he's not in jail. Like Jazz is actually one of the only, she's the only one that's still friends with him of the whole group. The East House 7, like they aren't as close as they once were. Relationships have shifted. It was honestly kind of realistic to like, when you're in college, you ha- you see each other every single day. And then like you grow up and everyone has their own lives. But at the reunion, they're all thrown back together. And like, it's kind of awkward because just her college boyfriend is now dating someone else who is like kind of in the group. So like these weird like dynamics between all of them. But at the main party on the first night, Heather, who Heather's the girl that died, her younger brother confronts all of them and is like, oh, come to like, let's go to Heather's memorial. And he all of a sudden starts accusing each of them of having a role in Heather's death. So you find out that he has been investigating her case for the last 10 years and has found things out like the police didn't even know. And he starts one by one going like through each person and like he would like drop a piece of information and then you'd flash back to when they were in college starting in their freshman year and like learn the whole story of what actually happened in college. And then you also find out that Jess doesn't remember anything that happened the night of Heather's murder and she doesn't know if she played a role in it or not. Mm. So all of this information starts coming out and like Jess is coming to the terms with the fact that she might be outed as like having hurt Heather even though she doesn't even know if she did and like each one of them had these wild secrets about pretty much like their whole college life like they didn't know each other the way that they thought they did but especially like the time around Heather's death so I literally I could not put this book down it's like the murder mystery itself was so interesting in the way that it was told and how like each person was a suspect and you kind of like go through each one like learning their story learning all of their shit and like eliminating them one by one but there's also like campus drama and like slight dark academia and like the friend drama and like Jess specifically had a lot of family drama that all played a role into this in set in like the backdrop of this like wealthy prestigious university and like everything the way it wrapped up like I was obviously wrong about it but the last few sentences blew my mind I was freaking out and I think this would actually be a really good show I don't know if there are any plans to adapt it to a show but I would watch it and this was my favorite filler in a long time and I'm gonna be buying a physical copy of it because it was just so good and that was in my dreams I hold a knife by Ashley Winstead wow wait did you say what is that title like because the person can't remember or like what yeah because she she has like a few flashbacks but like like it being like or she woke up that day like covered in blood like but she doesn't remember the night and you find out you find out everything Mm. it was just so good wow and i gave it five stars i don't know if i said that no you didn't i don't think five stars becky what did you read 
So I read Patience and Not Forsaken by Alex E. Harrow. Came out in March 2017. And I think that this is an audiobook only book. I'm not sure. I cannot find anything except for one random Goodreads review that was like the printed book is like a 3.5, but the audiobook is like a four and out of five or something like that. But when I look it up, like I can't find anywhere where one could purchase the physical book. So I don't know where that person got it from, but I think it's an audiobook <laughs> only book. Interesting. And it's a short kind of story. It's only 45 minutes long. So it's kind of like a novella short story situation. And you might remember I talked about The Once and Future Witches by this author. Oh. So when I saw this, like basically I finished listening to a book and I was like, oh, is there something else I can listen to like during work? And I saw this 45 minute one by an author I knew I liked. And I was like, let me just see. Um, and the cover is really cool, well illustrated. Um, so I was I was like, I don't know what this is about, but let me tell you what it was about. <laughs> um <laughs> It takes place in the 50s, and the main character is Patience, and she somewhat recently lost her mom. It's kind of just, like, said that she lost her mom. Um, and so she's going through this wild, wild range of emotions, depression, anxiety. She's a teenager. I think all teenagers go through this, like, wild range of emotions because of, like, hormones and all of that. And just, like, it can be a really lonely time. And... So she's seeing this like therapist doctor and the doctor tells her father, you should take her out of school and give her a fresh start somewhere else. You know, like the thing that is probably best for somebody who just went through a lot of change, more change, right? Yeah, smart. <laughs> and clearly I don't like this doctor. And Alex E. Haro makes sure that nobody does because he also says to the dad, like, don't let her read Wonder Woman comics. It's giving her the wrong idea. And oh like stupid God. crap like that where you're, you just get pissed. Mm. So we hate the doctor. Um, <laughs> so they pack up and they move to this like creepy old mansion called Gravely House. And obviously Patience is unhappy. She's unhappy in life in general, but she's even more unhappy because she went from being lonely in one place to being lonely in this creepy old mansion. So she's not, she's not happy. And so she's expecting exploring this creepy mansion she's like this place is definitely haunted she looks into the mirror and in her reflection is not her oh my but god. some other girl ah, yeah. oh my god wait have you been seeing previews for soho that movie the horror movie sorry no it's reminding me of what you're oh. saying oh my god well so she looks in the mirror she sees this reflection this face is a different girl altogether um and talks to her is not her it's not her it's someone else talking to her she's like what's your name and the girl's like i can't remember and patience is like okay you we're gonna call you not forsaken so not forsaken becomes patience's like best friend and every day she comes home from school and goes and talks to patience and they just like talk all are day are they long. like the same age yeah it seems like it mm-hmm I don't want to say much more. This is like the shortest talk I've ever given on here. That sounds cool. But it's only 45 minutes long. So if I say anything else, I'll just tell you the ending. But it's definitely like coming of age. There is a gay romance element to the book. It's sad in a way. Um, romance through the mirror? Or? No. Okay. No. That's what I was like. Is it interesting? Is that a spoiler? <laughs> no, it's not with 
the mirror girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not with not forsaken. No, but uh, not forsaken has an interesting like kind of just like element in Patience's life during this time, and it's a little bit spooky and dark, but it's also fun and just like quirky. And I recommend it if you maybe are slumpy and you need something short or like you're tired out on hopefully not our podcast but podcasts <laughs> and you just want something different this is like a fun little short story to listen to and I gave it five stars it was like a nice little surprise because I wasn't I didn't go searching for it and I found it and I, I was like oh that that's so fortuitous yeah and I really like Alex Iharo and their writing so so yeah that was Patience and Not Forsaken by Alex E. Haro. Libby, what did you read? Okay, I mine is also actually going to be pretty short, too. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. Uh, but I read Broken Horses by Brandy Carlisle. Oh. Wait, I feel like I've heard this author name. Well, she is a Grammy-winning musician, so okay. maybe you have heard her famous song, The Story, <laughs> which is such a good song and just really know. so good. But she's... This like prolific musician, she is super talented and this is her memoir. I listened to it on audiobook. I mean, I did this kind of on a recent episode too, where I'm like, I don't know how to talk about memoirs where it's just the person's life because how do you critique it? But I will say I just found this, like her life story, very fascinating. She grew up in Oregon in like a pretty eclectic family and like... They also didn't have a lot of money. She moved like 14 times in 14 years. Um, So she very like displaced kind of family and home life. But it was it, it. So it was like in a sense was kind of a dysfunctional world to be born into. But also like her grandpa was this like beloved yodeler like he and he would like yodel okay i was not expecting you to say that grandpa vernon it was like and there were just like passages about her family that were because brandy carlisle herself is narrating the audiobook too you can just like hear the like deep love that she has for these people and which was like really beautiful to read and you know she has siblings and i don't know it just sounded like a really wild like family to grow up in because it was everyone was kind of musically inclined but like and her mom apparently had a beautiful voice but was so like shy and anxious to sing but then like when her grandpa Vernon was on his deathbed her mom finally like recorded a one song and then they played it for just like a cool but also dysfunctional musical kind of upbringing and she also experienced like a lot of near-death experiences like when she was two her heart stopped for a few minutes and then when she was five she got like severe meningitis I think and like Mm. almost died then and so she kind of talks about how these like experiences informs like who she is and how she relates to people she talks about being an empath but also like having a lot of kind of anxieties that a two-year-old child like shouldn't or you know a five-year-old shouldn't have but you know she did because of this like childhood trauma she also she's a lesbian and has been like pretty outspoken about it throughout her musical career which I think was pretty rare like when she was starting out but also especially where she grew up she like talks about being the only 
she came out in high school and she talks about being the only out lesbian for like five towns over and also her family comes from all different kinds of religious backgrounds like so she kind of talks about the impact that religion has always had on her life sometimes not in the best ways but she's also a deeply like spiritual person that was really interesting to hear I'm just all over the place. I'm like obsessed with her. She was so cool and like fun to listen to. And then throughout this audiobook, she sings like so she Nuh-uh. talks. Oh. Yeah. And it's so cool. And it feels like so intimate because she's like telling these stories and then you can like hear her like, you know, a little bump of a guitar like as she's it. I don't know if they did that like. I'm sure they did some recording <laughs> magic, but it literally sounds like she's sitting in her armchair and she's like recording everything and just picks up the guitar. And it was I feel like so that's what that's what happened. It was so cool. And then like at the end of the audiobook, it's like a solid hour and a half or two hour concert. Oh, where she cool. Oh sings all of this. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so I I mean, I'm sure the physical book is also a great experience. But I highly recommend if you even kind of like audiobooks or if you're like looking to try an audiobook for the first time, this was such a cool one because it felt like a like a memoir and also like this kind of history through like Americana and country music. Yeah, I was just going to say she's like a folk country artist, right? And she cites she has kind of varied influences like I mean she talks about her grandpa and his yodeling and like that kind of thing she also was obsessed with Elton John and is friends with Elton John like they text I was gonna say he's been posting about her book the book oh yeah yeah and he she like talks about he wrote his book to me and she like talks about reading that and I actually can't remember how they became friends which I would think I would remember that, but he, <laughs> she had like a shrine to him and in high school and, um, but she also was, you know, like influenced by Dolly Parton and kind of what's her Tanya Tucker, who is a country yeah. music woman who apparently was kind of like blacklisted because she was an alcoholic. And so there's, it also deals a lot with women in country music and, mm. Because in 2019, I think Brandy Carlyle founded this super group, uh, The High Women, which is Marin Morris. Right. I feel like I've heard of that. And sure. Brandy and two other people. I'm not. I'm on her Wikipedia page right now. Oh, yeah. Isn't she great? I love her. <laughs> it's funny you bring all this up because I just watched Netflix has like a docu series about pop music. Oh, my and God. There's a whole. I was um, just told to watch that. There's a whole episode on country music and she comments on oh, exactly yeah. that. Yeah, isn't she just the best? She's very yeah. She's like a great communicator. She was yeah. very like um, like I don't know her music very well, but I remember this Grammys being pretty good. And one of the best parts was she covered she performed. Uh, who died? It was John Prine. Oh, okay. she talks about John Prine dying, and yeah, and she did that beautiful tribute. It like Gra- stuck with me. Twenty seventeen to present Grammy success with "By the Way I Forgive You." Is that what you're talking about? "By the Way I Forgive You." Yeah, is an album. So. It was also super interesting. This is really all over the place, but hopefully <laughs> we're, we're, we're just all fans. Really, <laughs> that's all. We just love Brandy. <laughs> so I mentioned the story earlier. That's like how I was introduced to her. That's like a huge song. It's been in like shows and movies, and it's like, I mean, it's a beautiful song, and it's just like emotional and powerful and really, really mm-hmm. good, and feels like those kind of like once in a career type songs. Um, but she talks about her relationship to that song specifically and how like 
she wrote and recorded that at a time before her voice was like as fully matured and it was like she has this weird relationship to that song because she kind of can't always sing it anymore because oh. of and oh, wow. but everyone like loves it so deeply and wants to talk about it and I like at one point a producer was like you haven't had a vocal moment or like a song like the story yet since you know like that's the peak of your career and she's like I was just getting started like excuse yeah. me so then by the way I forgive you was kind of this it was cool to hear her talk about it as almost like a not comeback but like proving herself and and it got all of this Grammy attention and won um, awards, which I don't know. She's just like a very warm and humble and like genuine seeming presence. Like, and as you were reading it, hearing her talk about her successes, but also her mistakes and failures was really enjoyable. I think I knew like the bare minimum. I knew that one song by her. Not That's not true, but I wasn't like, a, I wouldn't have called myself like a huge fan, but I really, really enjoyed her story. She also has some cool insight as like a, ma- a magician. <laughs> She's as a magician? A, no, no, no. Oh. I, I must have. <laughs> She's not a magician, no, but maybe she would start. I don't know. No. Insight as a musician oh. into like how it felt when COVID-19 hit. She's dealt with like some substance abuse in the past too. And so she kind of touches on like the life of a musician and like performing and the, the like relationship between listeners and artists and how that's just like the shutter that fell on that during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that meant for musicians was interesting to hear. You've absolutely sold me on it. Oh, cool. I hope you listen to the audiobook because she covers like a Dolly Parton song. She covers Hallelujah. And I was running in the park and literally crying. Every book I read, apparently I just cry. <laughs> but it's, her voice is so beautiful and it feels just like really intimate and warm. And I'm a Brandi Carlisle fan now. And she's always been like cool and outspoken about gay rights. Do you listen to books when you're doing your marathon training? Mm-hmm. Wow. Sometimes I listen to music, but are you going to listen to a specific playlist or book when you run the marathon? Oh, probably not. It's so loud. I didn't listen to any music last time. Oh, wow. So I probably won't again. I was going to say, can we make a collaborative playlist for songs for you to listen <laughs> oh my God. to? You can like follow along. Like, look, she's on this song now. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I probably won't listen to music again unless they like really restrict. Viewers. I will not listen to music again ever. <laughs> no, just kidding. Again for the marathon. What was that? Broken Horses by Brandy Carlisle. And you don't rate memoirs, so I'm not gonna. Ask. I actually did give this five stars. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I rate some. <laughs> <laughs> you rate the five star ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's um, fair. Yeah. Um, what's on your TBR? Actually, Malibu Rising by Taylor Yay. Jenkins Reid. Nice. <laughs> yeah. But have you read The Seven Husbands Red. yet? <laughs> no, that's actually on my TBR, but I think I've already said it on the pod like I a see. year ago. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, Becky, what's on your TBR? The Kitchens of the Great Midwest by J. Ryan Straddle, which is fun. a book that I just randomly got at Little City Books in Hoboken. And I don't know, it's out, it sh- looks short and it looks like it's about food. So I think I'll oh, like it. Nice. And the Midwest. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kayla, what's on your TBR? 
I, I don't know why I can't just say the, the title <laughs> on my TBR. <laughs> <laughs> the Hating Game by Sally Thorne. Ooh. Have you not read that? No. And I ah! just read Second First Impressions, which is like her newest. And I was obsessed. Oh, my God. And like book boyfriend with the guys. So Ooh. I'm excited to read this one. Wow. I can't wait to hear what you think. Emily. I want to read The Silence of the Girls by Pat Barker, which is also kind of the story of Troy, but from the Trojan women's perspective. Yeah, I was going to ask if they were the same because I read that. I think. The same but different because uh, it didn't end well for the Trojan women. <laughs> Where are you on the internet? Oh, right. I'm at the Lazy Library. I'm at Sleep Run. <laughs> <laughs> sleep Run, Read, Repeat. It's funny because that one episode when we were on the retreat <laughs> and <laughs> Libby said that she's at the Lazy Library just now. <laughs> I'm like in tears. Did, did you and you I didn't catch now? it? Oh, no, I was just like, now. No. Just now I almost said that I'm at Sleep Run Read Repeat. Uh, <laughs> we're just trying to steal each other's identities. Oh and it's only because I was like thinking it like as she said it. I don't know. Anyway, I'm at Becky in the bookshelves. <laughs> Did you even say it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we're all losing our minds. I'm at Karen Watt and you can find all of us at Books in the City Pod. Make sure you're tagging us and using our hashtag MyBooksAndTheCity. Follow us on Twitter at BATC Pod, like our Facebook page. Join the fan club for our book club stuff and more fun things. Check out our merch. Go to BooksInTheCityPod.com for everything. Um, and if you're still here, Comment on our Instagram post and let us know that you're still here. <laughs> Just be like here, present. No, comment the last book you cried. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. is that have we done that? I don't know, but it, I want to know if there's an update. If we have, yeah. <laughs> um, thank you to our Carrie level producers: Sissy, Riley Harrell, Carrie Kissinger, Brenna Collins, Amanda Borgia, Elizabeth Jamka, and Susie Southwick. Thanks for listening. Thank you.